Hi everybody and welcome to the show today. We are talking to coach and Summer Spine South winner, Tim Pickett yeah. from HP3 Coaching. Hello Tim, how are you doing today? Good, good to be back again, good to see you again. How are you doing? Yes, I am good, um, but I have had a bit of disappointing news, um, which I probably should have checked before I launched um, this to everybody. Um, but yeah, uh, um, I'll probably have to keep repeating this throughout the broadcast as people join. But I emailed Mark Laithwaite, who's the organiser of the Montaigne Lakeland 100, which I started training for, and, and he emailed back just immediately saying, um, everybody's got to um, adhere to these requirements and I thought that I'd be okay because I've previously done loads of ultra running in the Bob Graham and lots of multi-day races and I thought yeah I've got the experience but I didn't realize that the experience has to be within 2020 and 2022 so mm. there's no way that I've done a 50 mile race <laughs> within that time frame because um, I was pregnant and also it was COVID um, I was pregnant and I had a baby so mm. I just um, and then, uh, so so I'm 99% sure that Mark's not going to let me do the Lakeland 100. I'm sure that they'll let me do the 50 because, you know, that's open to a lot more people and everyone can do that one pretty much. Um, but then I did feel very relieved because I was starting to get a bit worried about it. And I, I just really understand that those types of constraints are there for a reason. Um, and so maybe that's why I'm feeling so relieved. But with that in mind... Um, I just wanted to chat a bit more about 100 milers and how to choose the first one that's right for you because obviously Lakeland 100 was, even if they let me in, it was going to be a bit of a big ask for the first 100 miler. So I just thought today we could go through um, what you did for your first 100 miler, um, why people are even attracted to this distance in the first place, why you're attracted to it um, and just bits about how it differs from um, 50 milers and... Um, what kinds of races you should do in the build-up to your first 100 miler. Um, so yeah, I'm still looking for my first 100 miler, so I have made actually a massive spreadsheet of about 20 of them in the UK, which I will yeah. share with patrons only. So if you want that exclusive spreadsheet, then do sign up to follow me on Patreon. <laughs> um, so Tim, um, what was your first 100 miler and why did you even decide to go for that distance? So I think... The 100 mile distance is somewhat iconic, isn't it now? Um, uh, I, I talk about the, the sort of uh, evolution of endurance running uh, and endurance sport particularly. So in the 80s, it was, could you run a marathon? You know, that was a, a long way to go. That was going to be a massive challenge. Could you do it? And then we realised, well, actually, yes, as long as you do enough running, you can run a marathon. And then the 90s, it was, could you do a triathlon? Because that seemed crazy, doing swim, bike and run. And again, people realise that, yes, if you train, you can do a triathlon. So then it evolved again into, could you do an Ironman triathlon? And then we're sort of moving away from that now. And, and there's a big question is, you know, can you run an ultramarathon? And the big thing about an ultramarathon, you know, the really scary concept is, can you run 100 miles? You know, any distance, any number is an arbitrary number, but 100 miles is obviously a long way and we always do these things because we don't know if we can and they're supposed to be scary and they're supposed to be unknown if if you were guaranteed to finish and have a good performance are you motivated to necessarily do these things you know we're looking to push ourselves so 
so I think that's where the sort of hundred mile idea comes from. And that's certainly, you know, what uh, what sort of motivated me was, could I actually do it? Um, in terms of picking your first, um, it's it's tricky because it depends on what motivates you really. And you were asking me the question sort of in, in the lead up to today's chat about, you know, what's what's the easiest hundred miler you could choose? As, as yeah, just like for your first one, are there easy, like in massive inverted commas, yeah. are there even easy hundred milers? And from my spreadsheet, it definitely looks like there's definitely some that are way harder than others. I know it's going to be hard across the board, but, you know, there's ways yeah. of making things hard for yourself. <laughs> so I would say there's no such thing as an easy hundred miler at all. Yeah. There are harder 100 milers, there are extremely hard 100 milers, and there are insanely hard 100 milers. But I wouldn't say there's an easy 100 miler. However, I'm a firm believer that anybody with sufficient time, training, resources can do a 100 miler. Wow. Um, it, it's not that even 100 miles is beyond the capability of, you know, of your average Joe. You know, anybody can do it. You just need the resources and the time availability to, to put enough training in to, to be in a safe place to undertake something like this. There are obviously races where you get a lot more support in terms of, you know, aid stations, crews, things like that. And there are 100 milers where you are largely self-sufficient and you've got to carry everything yourself. And, and therefore you're, you know, your pack weight is going to be significantly higher. Uh, you know, the spine race, as you mentioned there, that I did the, the Challenger South last year, you ought to carry quite a considerable amount of kit versus maybe something else where there's you know, more regular aid stations, you're not needing to carry so much of your own food and, uh, and water and things like that, which certainly takes away some of the, the challenge. People often then come back to the sort of terrain and is a is a flat 100 miler going to be easier? And I would say no, because... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there are some very flat 100 milers. You can do track races if you really want. Oh, God. <laughs> well, the thing with flatter races is there's less incentive to walk. Mm -hmm. And, of course, when we're talking about ultramarathon running... We shouldn't really use the word running because it's more fast hiking with a bit of jogging when you can fit it in. And whenever there's an incline, whenever it goes you know, up, you walk. So, of course, if there's not very much up, there's not a lot of incentive to walk and you try and maybe run more than you would naturally do. So actually a sort of a, a more undulating or even hilly 100 miler could actually be slightly less um, challenging on the, on the body than a, than a flat one. Oh, that's very interesting to think yeah, about. So, yeah. You know, I I've certainly felt more beaten up from running a hard marathon, you know, really going for a PB road marathon than I have running 100 miles. Yeah. On, you know, undulating softer terrain yeah i could see that because when i was doing my half marathons um to get back to training in the the latter part of last year yeah. i was like broken for about a week after both of them and exactly. i just thought how am i ever going to run like 100 miles like yeah. I, i'm broken just by running 13 on tarmac um yeah. 
but yeah, if, if you're just bimbling around then yeah. and just jogging and walking, then maybe it's a bit easier in inverted commas. In inverted commas, it uh, again, Different. I probably, I'd shy away from the word easy, mm. but I'd probably use, I'd probably say it's less painful. Uh huh. In painful in different ways, maybe, in, like as well. I mean, there's, you know, you're out there for obviously a long time, so you're dealing with nutrition, you're dealing with potentially sleep deprivation. If you're doing a very mountainous one, you know, you might be going through, you know, two nights and then you might be dealing with, you know, um, hallucinations and things like that and all those kind of fun, fun aspects of, of ultra running. Uh, but it's just, I think the sort of physical pain can be different, can be obviously it depends on on the kind of terrain you're doing so i get, you asked me earlier on there so just possibly skipping ahead your your first question was you know what was my first 100 mile and my motivation um well my first 100 mile start i, I dnf'd so that i went out to to do monte rosa ultra ultra tour monte rosa yeah um and it was a case of, well, if I'm doing a hundred miler, I'm going to do a really hard one in the mountains. Yeah. And I underestimated how hard it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe overestimated what the support and uh, aid station was going to be, aid station resources were going to be, uh, and wasn't carrying my own enough of my own nutrition. Um, so essentially, just ran out of gas. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm really glad to hear that, Tim. Like I regard you as like you know you've won the Summer Spine Challenger. <laughs> south and i'm just like i look up to you in terms of training and fitness in every way possible so i'm really really pleased to hear that oh, not, yeah. not in a cackling way but i just it's really heartening to know that even you with all your experience and your like really good fitness and you know excellent head around all these train all the preparation that you have to do even you you know didn't do your first one so yeah maybe yeah. i should sign up to my first one and not well i don't expect to finish you you shouldn't expect no, you to finish don't. maybe your first 100 no, again i you know you learn more from your mistakes than your successes i would say um i went out to race that and i was sick in the week leading up to it so i, you know, I had a, just a head cold but again, you know, carrying a head cold and then going to race 100 miles in the mountains, that wasn't yeah. great. But of course, I invested a vast amount in time and energy and, and everything else just to get to that start line. So I was going to start and, and just see how I got on. And in the end, I, you know, obviously I didn't finish. I got to I got to 86 miles. Wow, that's brilliant. So my my second inverted commas 100 miles uh was the lady Anne way okay uh, which was uh, a race last january yes so it goes from skipton up to penrith uh in fact the 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 mapping wasn't brilliant so it wasn't actually 100 miles it was about 97 98 miles so oh never mind <laughs> i'm sure you did a few going to registration and back yeah ish um so <coughs> but i I went into that one with a pure focus of I've just got to finish this mm -hmm. and far more prepared, more aid stations, very well stocked aid stations, great support. So everything was laid up for success there. And, you know, it's a nice undulating course up through the, the Yorkshire Dales. So I've spotted that one wasn't on your spreadsheet. So I no, would add one it in. Wasn't. Um, they just ran the a, a shorter version 
just last weekend, a 75-mile version run by uh, Nav4 Adventure. Okay, so it's called the Lady Anne Way, is it? Lady Anne Way, uh, okay. 100-mile. So uh, Mel uh, Stevenson is running the 100-mile version next year. Okay. And that'll be going the opposite direction, going from Penrith to Skipton. Cool. And it's a stunning route. So if you're looking for a 100-mile yeah. race in you know midwinter, what time of year is that? Sorry, it'll be January. Oh, okay, January. So it's so, yeah. you know, a midwinter hundred miler. Yeah. What an interesting course that's challenging but not crazy. It's just undulating through mm. the Yorkshire Dales essentially, mm. coming in Yorkshire Dales. Uh, so I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend that one. Okay, uh, I'll so. add it to my spreadsheet. Um, yeah. For anyone who's just joined, I have made a spreadsheet of the UK's, well, a lot of the UK's 100 milers. There are now 20 on the list. So I'll definitely be sharing this spreadsheet with patrons. Because once I, when I was trying to look for other 100 milers that I could do that weren't the Lakeland 100, it turns out most of them have got pretty stringent entry requirements as well, obviously. Yeah. yeah, for very good reasons and totally respect that. So all of them, I will, would have had to do a 50 miler at some point. So unless I whip one out of the bag over the next couple of months, which I could do, but I don't think I'm really properly there yet. So I don't want to rush it. There's no rush. Um, so a lot of them have this 50 mile requirement. Um, but I was looking at lots of different ones, like for maybe June time or something like that. And mm -hmm. I realized that there's, there's a lot of variation in when they start. Some of them start like midday on Friday, some 8 a.m. on Saturday. The, I was looking at the, um, especially the West Highland Way um, mm -hmm. Ultra, well, the West Highland Way race, um, yes. because of John Kiniston, who used to do some work on the channel as well. He was, re he was really, like, his heart was really involved in that. Um, that so i thought oh that would be a great homage to him to do that race but it starts at 1 a.m on saturday and that's just crazy like either start at six or start in the morning because you're not going to sleep that night are you so yeah it was just a really varied selection of start times and i just thought well i probably want to start choose one that starts at like eight o'clock on a saturday because then i I don't know, Will I, would I just be going through one night then, presumably, rather than two? I've just got this fear now of running through two nights. So I don't know which time frame to pick. Like, that's now a factor in choosing my first one. It is all about um, trying to calculate how many nights people are going to go through. So depending on the, you know, your expected finish time, depending on the challenge, you know, in terms of the elevation profile. So obviously... Uh, more elevation likely is going to be taking you a lot longer and therefore how does that then impact on how many nights you're going through so it's not uncommon for these longer races to be starting at you know 10 o'clock 11 o'clock like you say one o'clock in the morning so 10 11 at night or one o'clock in the morning so that you're you know running through that first night but then you've got full day ahead to then get it finished and hopefully finishing before it gets dark again and not going through that second night ah, is that what they're anticipating then because i was just thinking oh goodness me i'm going to be finishing on the sunday morning and <laughs> i'm going to have missed two nights sleep and i haven't even been running <laughs> from yeah. and again it's to be fair some of it is also around the sort of front end of the field and when they're more likely to finish and mm, the yeah. side of that so that they're not you know the, the winners aren't finishing at three o'clock in, in the morning yeah and <laughs> yeah. no round to see them yeah so there is that element as well 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just looking at that, and I was also looking at the cutoff times because from my chart, I can see you know like there's there's anything from the Long Distance Walkers Association annual hundred mile challenge where you get forty eight hours to do your hundred, to something like the South Downs Way one hundred where you only get thirty hours, because yes. um, you're supposed to be running it, not walking it. Um, yeah, so I was looking at cutoff times, and I think yeah, that um, must be quite something to look for it, from doing your first, definitely. It's, it's a question of, and I think I did see on your patron channel, somebody was asking the question about, you know, cutoffs and being concerned about, you know, being ahead of those cutoffs. And I, I coached somebody for UTMB. She ran it last year after DNFing the, the year previously because she missed the cutoff. Mm-hmm. And obviously that was a big concern for her. It was all about getting to a, her into a fitness level and into a situation where we knew that being ahead of those cutoffs wasn't uh, going to be an issue for her. We knew that she was going to be safe. But also putting lots of planning in place in terms of um, her knowledge of time splits and where she needed to be at certain times. she could just mentally go oh yeah I've got an hour in the bag oh yeah I've got two hours in the bag and just having that knowledge then just took anxiety away Mm. so I had a another athlete who was racing last weekend another hundred miler uh, over in the states and unfortunately I think no. I just lost internet there. Something went wrong just for a second there. There was a beeping sound. You're back now, I haven't though. got sound. Technical oh, no. difficulties. <laughs> oh, can you not hear what I'm saying? What's um, happening? Oh, sound coming back. Oh, good. Can you hear okay. me now? There we go. Oh. Sorry okay. about that. Well, I just <laughs> lost internet there for a second. Okay. Uh, oh, you're back where, now. That's where, did I, where did I drop off? Um, I think it was... Um, you were just talking about a lady that had done the UTMB and she had to get her head in gear and then you were just talking about the next person. Okay, so yeah, so I had somebody else who was racing a 100 miler last weekend but for different reasons she ended up DNFing that race. But along with that she had also started to get confused around the cutoffs and thought that she was behind schedule whereas actually she was about an hour ahead of the cutoffs. Oh no. So she just got confused around that and that was um maybe a sort of contributing reason for for then not managing to to finish the race so what i always recommend is you you've got sort of flashcards so just in a pocket of your your race vest it's just have a, a series of little flashcards to break that race down into segments mm. but then also you've got your time split so you you open it up and it's right for the next five miles or seven miles ten miles i've got to get to this point yeah, by this be, time. By this time of day, ah. I'm expecting it to take me this amount of hours, minutes. I'm expect I'm planning on eating and drinking these bits of food, drink, whatever it's going to be. So it's all written down. So no matter how tired you are and how much your brain starts to go, it's just written down, oh, I, I can see what the time is. I can see where I need to be. Boom, yeah. it just takes away any of that yeah. fear. 
Oh, that's such a great idea because when yeah. I was looking at all this, I was thinking, blimey, there's just a lot to take in. And even once you've chosen your first one, it's like a full time job, just like, you know, getting all the kit sorted and then all this timing business. And, you know, you go through, you look at the list of checkpoints and they've all got a time cut off on. And it does seem very complicated, seem just compared to your normal marathon where you just go out and just jog around for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not relaxing, is it? <laughs> what you need to do is plan everything in advance so if you've, if you've planned it all out it's written down like i say i i just laminate little flashcards. so no matter how tired my brain is if i'm not thinking straight i can just put it out my pocket look at it okay fine put it away again off we go so prior you know, prior preparation prevents <clears throat> poor performance yes yeah so, <laughs> advance and then the race goes smoothly because there is no thinking involved yeah and and i suppose another aspect um to thinking about choosing your first 100 miler is the time of year as well because i know you've suggested this the new one the lady anne way um mm. in january i've noticed that there's quite a few in january you've got your spine challenger south yeah. you've got your arc of attrition and then lady anne way um then there's tons in may there's mm. like literally like Yep. like five or six in may and then and then loads in june millions in june couple in july one in august one in september one in october one in november i can't find any in december i haven't like done an extensive extensive search but i can't really find any in december i can't really find any in february march april so um it's just funny isn't it that most people seem to think that you should be running a hundred miler either in the new year <laughs> or <laughs> or in the summer <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it's it's the you know midwinter is if you're going to do a hundred miler, well, make it a hard one and, and <laughs> add in the complications of the weather. Um, but of course, the summer ones aren't necessarily easier in terms of weather because you could be dealing with significant temperature in terms of you know heat. Yeah. So a very hot one could add significant challenge in terms of dehydration, access to enough water. So when I did the the Challenger last year. Mm. it was it was a warm one it was in the sort of towards the end of a, a bit of a heat wave there wasn't a lot of water out on the course in terms of stream a lot of the streams had dried up and you know what streams they were were you know a bit of muddy trickles and you didn't really want to be drinking that mm. so you know you end up then carrying more water and water is is heavy mm. so you know that that does then play into it as well whereas obviously a winter one you don't necessarily necessarily need to carry as much because there's more out there on the course that you can mm. access. Yeah. So, it is really interesting because yeah. with Lakeland one hundred, with the heat wave that we had this year just gone, I was getting really worried about it being in July as well because I was just yeah. thinking, if it's forty degrees, I, I'm toast. I'm ginger. I'm not surviving yeah. that. <laughs> like, I'll I have remember to I did fifty um oh goodness me, what year was that? Maybe twenty fifteen? I think something like that um and it was a hot one then and yeah absolutely you know you're going literally from aid station to aid station and just just getting there in time to refill all your bottles and there wasn't a lot of out there sort of little streams to to refill from so yeah yeah it, it really depends on you know what suits you better uh, are you somebody that does well in the heat in which case obviously a summer one's can be maybe yeah better for you if you know that you really struggle in the heat then maybe picking an early season uh, longer race is going to be better for you yeah 
there's so many factors and, and that's why I just ended up making this spreadsheet because I just thought, oh goodness me, I need to just look at them all, like all the ascents, I've got, I've got the, the, the date, I've got the mileage because it's not all 100, some are 108, some are 110, some are 97 <laughs> and, and some like, you know, the spine challenge, I, I, I forgot to read this out earlier, it goes, it's 60 hours that you get for that one and then you've got 28 for something like the Thames Path um, and the prices, wildly different, Spine Challenger South, I think next year it's going to be £475 potentially, mm. whereas you've got the um, Long Distance Walking Association's annual 100 miler, that's £115, um, yes. and the GB Ultras are all £169, yes. um, Centurion running ones are always £215, um, mm. and it just sometimes it doesn't reflect what aid stations you get either because the GB Ultras get you get loads of aid stations um, mm -hmm. they seem really good value for money and so did Centurion Runnings one whereas yes. West Highland Way Race is £122 but you've got to take your own crew and start at 1am <laughs> so yeah it's 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 really interesting to make this spreadsheet and yep. um, I think I, I, I do want to do a hundred miler. I just, um, I've not really wanted to do one before, but it's the distance that I haven't done out of all mm. the distances. I've done 65 miles and there's not many 80 mile races. So I just, I just thought, oh yeah, a hundred miler, I, I want to experience it because it's just completely different to a 50, isn't it? It's it is. just, can you, can you sort of put into words how it differs from to a 50? I know it's longer, but how, how, how different is it to doing a 50 miler? Yeah. So a 50 miler, you're expecting yourself to, to run a lot of that. Yeah. Okay. Whereas a hundred miler, you're expecting yourself to walk most of it, I would say. Okay. There's obviously... Uh, Obviously, the, the you know the races that I've done, I've been you know trotting, steady you know steady running those those kind of hundred milers. But for most people, it, it's it's more kind of flipping it round that it's a a fast hike with a bit of running when you go into up to the hundred miles. Uh -huh. Whereas a, a, a fifty miler, you're going to try and run a lot of that and then fast hike the bits that are uphill and and you need to. Yeah. The you know fifty miler, you're doing that in a day. 100 miler it's going to be going over into the second day so you're dealing with sleep deprivation a 50 miler you can do on drink and gels and, and simple stuff like that 100 miler you've got to bring real food into it mm -hmm. um so there's the you know nutritional components into there it again it depends on sort of navigation as well so, oh yes, I forgot to mention navigation. <laughs> absolutely. You know, some of these are going to be simpler in terms of navigation. They might be very well marked. Uh, other ones are going to be far more complicated in terms of, of navigation. So, you know, that, that needs to come into it as well. You know, the 100 miler is, in, you know, it is really all up, up here. It's your decision making, it's your mental strength. Whereas, you know, 50 miler, there's a bigger emphasis on your physical fitness. The mental, obviously, is still a very, very big part of that. But you know, I've, I've done reasonably well at 100 mile races. 
I am not the fittest, fastest, strongest person out there. My success has been down to making the right decisions at the right time. So, you know, there's there's that that comes into it as well when, when you're going longer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of feel like you can put up with a few more things at 50 miles, like, you know, like maybe yeah. you've got a niggle or a blister or, you know, you feel a bit sick, but 100, you've got to, like, put up with it and come out the other side as well. Like, you can't allow yeah. things to get too far because you've got to do it things all over again. go wrong. It's not a case of you're going to have a perfect race. Something will go wrong. At least one thing will go wrong in an marathon. Those who do well are those that can problem solve on the fly. So again, it's all about that planning and preparation. Uh, it's we talk about actions on. So you've you've already thought through everything that could go for that, so that when it does go wrong, boom, we just do this. Well, we just do that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in a in a shorter distance race, you know, whereas, oh, sorry, you broke up. Oh, sorry, you broke up a little bit there, Tim. Sorry, you broke up a little bit there, Tim. Can you repeat the last bit that you were saying? So just saying that in a fifty miler, Mm. we might. You might expect something to go wrong, but you might just be able to battle through and still get to that finish line. Oh, we have bad connections. Oh, is it? Is it my end? Oh, it says I've got full bars. Don't. I am only on a couple of bars. Oh, okay. Sorry about this. I can hear you now. Well, it's all the fun of a live yeah. broadcast. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, um, yeah, so you can sort of battle on um, in the 50 miler, but 100, you've really got to either yeah. sort it out or put up with it and then come out the other side as well. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. It's a big jump, isn't it? And I'm thinking maybe, yes, do the Lakeland 50 and prepare for doing that in under 16 hours, which is what you need to do to then qualify to do the 100 the following year. So I can't hang about on the 50 miles, just having a lovely time and taking a lovely film. So that's what I will train for as my A race this year. But then um, then I need to maybe, maybe I could do an 80 miler um, just to sort of jump up. I was just thinking maybe 80 miles would be a good step up. Maybe, yeah, maybe 75, 80 miles. Um, before doing the Lakeland 100 or is it just a case of doing a few more 50s just wasn't sure whether yeah whether uh, doing a 80 miler sorry, like sorry, something sorry. like the hard moors or something oh sorry I think you're back now yeah so I to keep having some internet issues apologies about this um, it, yeah 80 miles is another really good stepping stone that you can learn the craft of these these longer races so the Hardmores series, yes, they've got uh, a number of races in that distance. Another one, uh, which I know has got entries available, is the Ridgeway Challenger. Okay. Ridgeway Challenge. Ridgeway Challenge, isn't it? I should think is 86 miles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've done that um, over three days, um, three times, actually, at the, in the Druids Challenge, that Ridgeway path. 
So I did see yeah. that and I just thought, oh, not again. <laughs> and that's the other thing I wanted to mention with choosing the first 100 miler um, and 50s really as well, would be to, to choose something that really inspires you because there's a couple that, like there's one that I could do after the Lakeland, one, uh, Lakeland 50. So presuming that I was successful in that, I could enter um, the, the Autumn 100 um, yes. with Centurion running. But it's, it's 25 miles of out and back four times in four different directions. And, just, yeah, yeah. and that just doesn't appeal to me at all. Okay. And there's, mm. also, there's also a Centurion, um, not a Centurion, it's called the Minotaur Challenge. Um, yeah. And that's, on, that's a one mile loop that just goes around and around. There's also really near me, there's the Grim Reaper, um, yep. where you could do 100 miles, but that's a 10 mile path. And just yep. stuff like that, Just I don't think I could do it just because it just doesn't appeal to me at all. It doesn't ignite yep. any passion in me. Um, the Lakeland 100 does. And mm. this, this race, it's a new one. It's called the Dartmoor Way 100, and it's in oh. November. Um, you get 34 hours and there's six aid stations, but it's a circular route on this new Dartmoor Way. And that just appeals you've got to navigate and that really appeals to me um so i think you've got to do i've a lot of athletes i've talked to in the past um about picking the best ultra for you like scott jorek said pick one that inspires you um Absolutely. and i think that's that's definitely a very very valid because running out and back I'm just, I'd just be like oh god I've got to run a marathon I've got to run there and turn around then there and turn around then there and turn around then there. I just don't know but it just doesn't inspire me in the same way yes. that seeing the lake lakes does or yeah. seeing Dartmoor does absolutely you, you need to understand why <coughs> you're, you're entering this and you and I talked about this in the past about your sort of zero to our uh, zero to ultra series wasn't it um, yeah. i talked about this sort of why are you entering these events and so we need to have a very clear motivation for this and that's up to you is, is picking somewhere maybe a destination that you want to go and explore yeah like dartmoor um, i haven't hardly ever run in uh, dartmoor yeah there you go and it's so, a new way as well it, it's a new route and then there's a there's one that GB Ultras do as well called Ultra Scotland 100 miler. That's in June, um, so I'm not sure about that one. But it wouldn't be too hot, and it's on the Southern Uplands Way, which is a new um, a new national trail that they've just opened up or, or something like that. There was something new about it, and I just thought, oh, that looks great as well. So it's definitely about adventure and exp exploration for me, not just the fact that I've run 100 miles out and back. It's mm. got to be a journey. So that's good to know as well, I suppose. Yeah, although, I mean, the race that I you know tend to do is more kind of point to point. You know, you're going oh, yeah. somewhere. Mm, yeah, that makes sense in my head. But I also see the attraction of, for example, the Autumn One Hundred, mm. which I think I've not done it. I was looking to do it actually last year, but but that one also is attractive to me because it's mentally easier to break down into segments. Mm. You've only got to go and run 20, 25 miles. Yeah. And then you go out and do another 25 miles. Yeah. And then you go out and do another. So yeah. it's easier just to go into that kind of goldfish bowl of, I'm only doing this small little thing, mm. which then builds up. It's easier in terms of, I shouldn't be using that word easier, should I? But it, logistically, you've got more support. There's loads of aid stations. You're coming back to your own drop bag where you can get yeah. resupplies with your own stuff. So things like that can can make life 
less complicated for you yeah so that you know that could be a real attraction that mm. you can you can do that it's something again you know you can have your family friends at that central hub that could you know you could see them more frequently that might be an attraction yeah and so could you enter 100 with the idea of getting to 80 and just seeing seeing how you felt you know like if there wasn't an 80 miler because there's not that many of them if there wasn't an 80 miler in the time frame in the place that you wanted do you think it would be mm. a good idea for like for say like if I decided to enter the autumn 100 and, and but had the goal of 80 in my mind like is that something you ever recommend people do because um oh little glitch in the matrix um i'm going to say no because it um you've frozen i don't know if i've frozen hello i you froze just a sec there are you back yeah yeah so I would say I would say no to sort of planning a DNF. Really? Because oh, that's interesting as well. Day, you're you're taking a place off somebody else who maybe want you know is really keen to do that. These races all sell out. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be entering something with um, and you don't manage to finish. But I think that's different to a planned DNF and it's, it's maybe disrespectful to the race organisers and other people who are very keen to do those races. Yeah, OK. Yeah. So it's a bit naughty, isn't it, to, mm. to take up a space? Yeah. OK. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't planning to do that anyway honest <laughs> um cool well I, I think we've covered a good amount of chit chat about the um how to choose your first hundred miler i hope everyone feels a bit more kind of clued in and if you do want to become a patron i will share with you my amazing spreadsheet and i will add the lady Anne way into there as well based on tim's recommendation and um we've got a few patron questions now um for tim um um, if anybody's got any questions, do just comment in the um, the chat below. Like when the live chat ends, then if you've got any more questions for me or Tim, then just put them in the YouTube comments below and um, one of us will get back to you. But we've got a question about 200 milers here um, from, from Kurt, who lives in the USA. Um, and he says, can you point me to some good content for training for really long races? He's got an athlete that will be tackling the Tahoe 200 this June. He hasn't run it or coached someone to that distance, so he's looking for additional advice and info. So, yeah, have you got like a couple of golden points that you could give to Kurt there? It is about just building the, the, the time on feet. So it's having some, some big weekends where you're just going out and hiking for three days solid um and and learning the the tactics on when it comes to nutrition but sleep management you know when are you going to sleep where are you going to sleep how long are you going to sleep for so it's it's building that in it's taking your your traditional maybe sort of more 100 mile type training plan stretching it out a little bit longer to build in some of these bigger weekends where you are testing your your skill set for being on your feet for uh, for multiple days really that's that's the sort of key difference you can't 
you can't run more in training. It's not a case of, you know, you do, let's say, 70 miles a week for a 100 miler. So you do 100 miles a week for a 200 miler. It's not necessarily about more volume overall, but it's about developing the skill set for being on your feet, not just for one to two days, but it's going to be for, you know, three days, four days nonstop. That's the kind of skill set you're looking to develop. So if your athletes used to doing a lot of kind of through hiking, if it's an American athlete, you know, it's, it's working on that through hiking type skill set. So rather than being as a, a pure runner in terms of resources, um, you could be looking at you know, there are there are training plans out there. So if you you know explore some of the sort of the training peaks stores, um, you know, I've I've got some example plans. Uh, I don't think they're visible on my training peak store, but I know a couple of my colleagues, they do have those sort of 200 mile type training plans available. If you're coaching yourself, then again, it's maybe talking to some of the other coaches um, over in the States. The first name that jumps into my head is um, David Roach, who I know he's worked with people doing sort of much longer distance races like that. Um, there are a you know network of other people, so it is a case of you know maybe having a call with with a couple of other coaches. Um, if you're part of the Training Peaks network, then put a message out there, and you know there are a few of us out there that are coaching these type of people. More than happy to to share ideas and bounce ideas around. Um, another colleague of mine who I do a lot of work with um, is Doug Stewart. You know, again, spine race runner, done the full distance. Um, you know, he's got a lot of experience with with these type of things as well. So, you know, there are people out there. So, yeah, get in touch and have a chat. Mm. Oh, thank you very much, Tim. I hope that helped you out, Kurt. Um, and we've got a, another question um, from Arnold, um, patron Arnold. So he says, what is the minimum amount of time that you'd give for rest and recovery between ultras? Now, that's a good one. And that's one we didn't even touch on, did we, um, as part of choosing the first 100? Um, mm. Because it would be the first. <laughs> How many should you do in one year, I yeah. suppose? Again, it all depends on on you as an individual as to how well you recover and how much experience you've got. You know, as with all of these things, the more you do them, the more your body learns about the challenge and can recover quicker. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, I mean, again, you can be looking at some of the elites and, you know, some of them are, are knocking out multiple hundred milers in quite quick succession. But not all of us, very few of us, are like Courtney DeWalter or uh, Killing June or, or people like that. So, you know, you might be looking at one at the start of a season and another one later on in the season in terms of, you know, big ultras, you know, really peaking maybe just twice in a season. It might only be once in a season. It really depends on what other demands you've got on your time and how much you can dedicate to this. Mm, yeah. But... You know, recovery, if you go down the old old saying of, you know, a day per mile of race, you, you could be looking at a good few months recovery after something like a 100 miler. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I suppose just listen to your own body then is the key yes. there. And 
don't there's no rush to come back super quickly i mean unless you're an elite athlete there really is no rush really apart from the pressure exactly. you put on yourself yeah. yeah okay well i hope that helped you arnold i hope that you're listening to this um got a question from mike um who's over in the isle of man i will be seeing him at the uh, manx mountain marathon um in april which is not too far away now he's got a, a question about training with weights he's doing this 18 week progressive program um and he feels like he's hit enough weight in terms of upper body lifting um but the program wants him to progress further um so he's just saying does he assume that as runners there's such a thing as too much bulk um there's a typo on there it says touch bulk but we we think it means too much bulk so mm -hmm. yeah i mean yeah upper body lifting is is that yeah. going to be detrimental it depends on the demands of the race so if your race is involving you carrying quite a lot of kit so a heavy pack you're going to need a bit more shoulder bulk to take the load of that pack mm -hmm. you're going to need more sort of upper and lower back strength to take the load of your of your running pack you know i've seen people dnf in the spine race because they couldn't deal with the weight of the pack their legs were fine but their shoulders were destroyed ah. from carrying the pack um if you're using running poles for example then yes running poles will make you more efficient and they'll help you only if you've got sufficient upper body strength so you do need a reasonable amount of, of strength however he's asking the question about bulk um and there is no getting away from the fact that you know you want to be your power to weight ratio needs to be optimum whatever that whatever that is and that's a very complicated question so your strength training doesn't want to be focusing on hypertrophy, so making bigger and bigger muscles. Yeah, like Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of yeah. style. Yeah. So if you're doing a strength program, it needs to be very specific to your needs. There may be an early hypertrophy phase where you are looking to maybe add a little bit of muscle bulk. But then, yes, yeah, certainly there is such a thing as maybe too much bulk. So the strength needs to then shift to more strength and maybe strength power or muscular endurance and not around muscle bulking and muscle hypertrophy. Yeah. It all comes down to your sets and reps. So the weight might be going up, but because of the programming of the percentage of your one rep max, the number of repetitions you're lifting the stimulus will not be around bulking but more around strength and power and that's that's different so it's worth exploring that one and just checking you know who's written this this training plan is it specifically for your needs uh, or does that need tailoring slightly differently yeah. um and again if you need help with that um i've got morgan our strength and conditioning coach as part of hp3 and she can uh, certainly customize a, a strengthening training plan for you if needed ah brilliant cool sign up for that then mike that seems to be your answer just there um yeah that would be brilliant um yeah if anybody does want to book tim for any coaching just check out the hp3 coaching website there's um there's a whole team available there um, to coach you to your goals and i just 
having a coach and following a training plan is like following their training plan is one of the best things you can do as a as a sort of recreational runner to boost your performance in like in my experience <laughs> it's just it just makes you um it just brings out the best in you doesn't it it does, it does. Yeah. yeah um and then uh, a final question from patrons we've got james um who he says um so he he's doing this HR training. He signed up for a 50k in October, so that will be his first ultra. Um, and he, he says he's got plenty of time to train, but he he says he wants to know how quickly heart rate training shows meaningful results because the internet is a bit um, vague. So he's written another thing here because um, he's he's training with using his heart rate he i think he's doing yeah. mafetone training um yep. so it's it's only been two years since he was last running properly because he mm -hmm. had an illness and an injury but he's saying that he's doing mafetone training with hr so he's running at a really low heart rate but he's saying he's saying at the moment he can barely break out of a walk before he hits his mafetone hr um um, yeah. training beats per minute so mm -hmm. i'm guessing it's like i don't know like 120 or something um but yeah how long Will it take for him to be running at that heart rate? Yeah, so this is maybe a kind of a much broader question. Um, in short, you do need to persevere and it can take it can take months to really build that up. Uh, and those who do persevere with that very low heart rate, you know, they do report good successes. The criticism of mafetone is it is just an arbitrary number that you're picking mm -hmm. um, and doesn't necessarily match your zone if you're talking about a three zone model in your zone one uh, below that first ventilatory threshold if you're talking about a, a five zone model they talk about you know staying in zone two that again aerobic zone so it really depends on where your specific upper upper limit of your aerobic zone is where that first ventilatory threshold is so if you're really struggling to to keep your heart rate in that so-called mafetone zone it may be that's not right for you um, and it'd probably be better to to maybe do a little bit of testing to work out where your aerobic zone is where that up that first ventilatory threshold is so that is are you talking about zone one there so if we're talking about three zone model, we're talking about zone one. Mm -hmm. And that's the chatting uh, pace, is it? Yeah, so essentially it's just chatting, chatting, running nice and easy. Um, you could you could breathe only through your nose. That's another useful way to keep you in that easy aerobic zone. As soon as you're working hard enough that you need to open your mouth to breathe and that nose breathing alone isn't enough, you're going too hard. So slow down. So it might be you just need to explore with that. And in terms of, you know, persevering with it, yeah, persevere with, with building that aerobic base with a slow, steady running. Yes, that probably means walking any uphills, but it will pay dividends in the end. So those who can sort of run at a very easy pace at that so-called mafetone zone, staying you know below math, great. If you're starting from a very low level of fitness, you might find that math is just going walking to start with. But if you've been doing that for some time and still find you can't break out of a walk, 
then it might be that actually your your numbers are wrong and it'd be worth using another measure to keep you in that that easy domain the um like i say zone one zone two depending on which model of um zone measuring you, you you're referring to yeah yeah okay that sounds sound yes i i did a lot of really low heart rate training in 2014-15 training yep. for coastal challenge costa rica and definitely it does really pay off i did it for about six months um and then carried on as yep. well and by the end of it i was running like yep. nine and a half minute miles at 140 beats per yep. minute which i cannot do now <laughs> so yeah I, right. I would love to get back to that <laughs> cool cool thank you um oh david thompson's just arrived he said he put a patron in the uh, a question in the patron group um let me just get that there unless you want to write it down for us here david um we've probably got time just for one more question for tim um let me just get the patron group up um see if it's facebook or patron i've got it just on a basic simple speed oh. sessions to incorporate into a hundred mile plan um yeah so speed work is still oh let's just um read the question out here is it uh, just on basic simple speed sessions um uh yeah would you incorporate some speed sessions into a hundred miler plan yeah, so I would incorporate strides, definitely. So either hill strides, flat strides, working on that running mechanics, you're running efficiency. In terms of longer efforts, for a 100 miler, I'd be working on more sort of tempo. So it might be, I think you just said there, you'd be doing some, some mile repeats. It really depends on what intensity you're talking about. Um, if you're... A long way from your race date so if you're several months away from your race date you could be doing some much faster threshold efforts vo2 max efforts things like that as you get closer to the more race specific build that's going to drop down to more tempo efforts so maybe kind of eight minutes 10 minutes 15 maybe even 20 minutes sort of stronger running but in those sort of early phases of a 100 mile plan, yes, yeah, a little bit of speed work would be very, very useful. So it could be, you know, some short efforts, like say some strides. It could be the sort of two to three minute efforts um, and then stretching out to maybe sort of four or five minute efforts at around threshold, but then shifting the emphasis as you work through the, the training plan later on into more tempo efforts. Okay, well, I hope that answers your question, David. And thank you very much, Tim, for, for the no late worries. entry. <laughs> yeah, apologies about my, uh, my dodgy internet connection. <laughs> Hopefully that's coming across on the recording, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure everyone can put up with a little bit of glitching. Um, that's the beauty of a live, live chat, and, it's just really, and we're just really grateful that you're here um, to talk to us, Tim. Um, no so um, for anyone who's just joining us now, um, we're, we're about to end. Sorry about that, but you can watch this again. And if you've got any questions, type them in the YouTube comments below. Um, basically, the announcement is that I don't have the required races within the time frame of 2020 to 2022 to do the Lakeland 100 this year. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that this year. Um, but I will be doing the 50. So I think next month's chat should be about how to get... 
um, a 50 that qualifies you to do a 100 miler because a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them that I've been looking at say that you've got to do a 50 mile race in either under 15 or 16 hours. So I think um, next time hmm. we should have a chat about how to qualify for your first 100 by doing one of these 50 mile races and, and how you just get that little bit of quickness. And just, it's nice to end on a, on a speed work question there. <laughs> Um, how you get that little bit of speed in because I'm a I'm a plodder definitely <laughs> so even doing the Lakeland 50 in 16 right. hours is going to be a challenge yeah cool we'll talk about that next time cool so just let everyone know how they can find you and um, just what services you provide if, if anybody wants to take this a little bit further and and get the best out of their performance yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. It's where I do most of the, the sports side of things. Um, so that's Tim Piggott, HP3. Uh, the website is hp-3.co.uk. Um, and yeah, if you need any help with, with training plans or any support with coaching, then give me a shout. There's obviously myself and I've got a couple of other coaches in terms of the endurance coaching. We've got Morgan who can sort out strength and conditioning coaching for you. We've got Amy, our sports psychologist, if you need any help there. We've got Liz and Howard, our sports nutritionists. So we've got a, a range of people and services that can help you, yeah, get the best out of yourself. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time here today, Tim. Well, um, uh, I have made a list of the um, the top UK 100 milers. So if people want to become a patron, then I will make that available somehow. I'm going to try and do it now um, to everyone because it is a very useful list. Um, yeah, and I will be picking one to do after doing the Lakeland 50. But let's focus on that now for the next part of the year. Cool. Okay. Thanks very yep. much, Tim. And um, we shall meet no soon. Yep. Cheers. See you later. Bye, everyone.